Hello, this is Gary Hutchins with the Sunny Slope Church of Christ in Omaha, Nebraska. This is our Sunday morning Bible class. We've been podcasting a Bible class for on Sunday mornings for all of those who cannot be with us in person at the Sunny Slope Church of Christ every Sunday morning for Sunday morning Bible class. We post it this podcast each Sunday morning at 9.30, the regular time for our Sunday morning Bible class at the Sunny Slope Church of Christ. Now, we want to make sure that any members who cannot be with us at the building have the opportunity to be in a Bible study with us at the regular time. But now, on a much more on a much farther scale, broader scale, we know that there are people who are listening across the country and literally around the world, and we want to be able to help them get into God's Word by podcasting this Bible class every Sunday morning, and again, it's posted at 9.30. People, many people around the country and around the world, they may have a problem getting out, being with the church every Sunday morning as the church meets. But they have this outlet then where they can still worship, well, they can still study God's word on a regular basis as a part of the church through these podcast Bible classes. Now, there are other people who are out there just searching. They're wanting to learn God's word more thoroughly more completely, more accurately. And so they're looking for Bible study materials or Bible study opportunities. And these podcast Bible studies give them exactly that. We're thankful to have the opportunity, the ability, and the means to be able to broadcast God's Word by means of these podcasts literally all around the world through the Internet. We're thankful that you're listening And our prayer is that you're being instructed, that you are growing in your faith, because faith comes by hearing the Word of God, Romans 10 and verse 17, and that you are coming closer to God. Our ultimate prayer is that if you have not already done so, you will come to God all the way through Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, repenting of your sins, confessing your faith in Him as God's Son and your Lord and Savior, and surrendering to Him in baptism, at which point the blood that He shed on the cross will cleanse you of the guilt of your sins, and you will come to salvation in Him. That's our prayer for you. Now again, maybe you're not at that point yet. We want to help you however we can. If you can go to our website at churchofchrist.com, churchofchrist.com, you can scroll down the home page to our podcast button, click on that, and sign up for our podcasting. We emphasize regularly, we're not after your wallet. We just want to help people get to heaven. There's no charge for our podcasts. There never will be a charge. When you sign up, you will automatically receive to your smart device your smartphone, computer, laptop, pad, tablet, whatever it might be, all of our podcasts, our Sunday morning Bible class, our Wednesday night Bible class, all of our sermons. And what I I think is a really wonderful, short Bible study, about 13 minutes every single day that gets us into God's Word. We call that today's Bible class. And you'll also receive our Monday through Friday daily radio program, Search the Scriptures. All of that will automatically go to your smart device for free. 
while there and our website at churchofchrist.com, you can download and watch or listen to hundreds of sermons that are posted there, and they're all free. You can download and read and study through hundreds of scripturally-based and spiritually-focused articles that will help you in your Bible study and in your spiritual growth. Encourage other people to take advantage of these opportunities as well, to sign up for our podcasting, to use, utilize the Bible study materials that are there at our website. Also, we encourage you to share these Bible classes that you listen to by podcast with everybody you can on a regular basis through Facebook friends, text messages, or other technological means. But you know people who need themselves to grow in their faith. They need to come closer to God. They need to be thinking about eternity because it's coming. Share these studies with them with your family members, your friends, your work associates, your neighbors, with literally everybody you can. What a great blessing to potentially help somebody get to heaven. But that will also be a great blessing for you. So start sharing today. We're going to get back into our study from the book of Exodus. And it has been an extensive study. I I do hope and I do pray that you have really been gaining a much more in-depth and much broader knowledge and insight into the book of Genesis and the book of Exodus, which we could look at as key portions of the early history of the nation of Israel as God developed them, but also going back all the way to the beginning of mankind in Genesis chapter 1, But seeing how God's plan for man's redemption is being mapped out by God and ultimately the pieces are falling into place by God's guidance. God's plan that the Savior would come into this world through the bloodline of Abraham, which would become the nation of Israel. Now, In chapter 34, we find Moses and the Israelites, after Moses had led them out of Egyptian bondage by God's guidance and blessing, they're at Mount Sinai. They have had some problems, but God has brought judgment upon many, and now Moses is ready to go back up onto Mount Sinai and regain or have given to him again the tablets that he broke and then ground into powder, threw into the water, the drinking water, and made, commanded the people of Israel to drink because they had turned away from God and had Aaron fix for them or manufacture for them a golden idol that they then called their God. Well, how sad, how sad. In chapter 34, and the people have come to a point, I think we're to understand, of repentance. Now, many have been been executed as judgment. I, I think we probably should understand they were not ready to come back to God, to repent of their sinfulness, of going back into worshiping idols. God knows what is best, and God knows what is just. In chapter 34... In chapter 33, 
last time we studied that God told Moses to tell the Israelites it's time to get moving. They're supposed to be going to the promised land. They weren't supposed to just stay stagnant around the Mount Sinai. So get moving. God's people should always be moving forward in serving God and reaching out with the truth of his teachings, the plan of salvation, the gospel of Christ. In chapter 34, beginning with verse 1, the Lord said to Moses, cut two tablets of stone like the first ones, and I will write these tablets, I will write on these tablets the words that were on the first tablets which you broke. Well, so the law that God was giving to Moses has not gone away. Those two physical tablets of stone on which at least a portion of the law was written, that had been broken by Moses. But now he's going to give him two more tablets. So be ready in the morning and come up in, in the morning to Mount Sinai and present yourself to me there on top of the mountain. And no man shall come up with you. Let no man be seen throughout all the mountain. Let neither flocks nor herds feed before the mountain. It's interesting. Moses is supposed to go up on the mountain by himself to meet with God. Moses, the last time he did that, and God gave him that portion of the law and the two tablets of stone before, he was up there about 40 days, and interesting, the people became unsettled. Their physical leader, by appearance at least, was not there. And they became anxious. And that's why they, they influenced Aaron. They, I don't know, I don't think we're to understand that they made him do it or compelled him to do it. I think he gave in and did it on his own, basically. But they influenced Aaron to manufacture for them a golden calf that they then called their God. That was rebellious against the true God. It was also grievously sinful, and it also showed a great weakness in their faith, of their faith for God and in God, and also a fickleness. God had just done so much miraculously in delivering them from slavery in Egypt and bringing them to this mountain to receive the law, and he's molding and shaping them into a nation that would be his chosen people, and again, through whose bloodline the Savior would come into the world. And now their physical leader, at least my presence, is not there with them. He's been gone for 40 days, and they're concerned who knows what happened to him. Maybe he got eaten by wild animals. Maybe he had a heart attack and died. Now, being, you know, a little bit more contemporary in my, my uh, reasoning here, but they're, they don't know if they'll ever see him again. And so in their weak and fickleness, weak faith and fickleness, as far as dedication and commitment is concerned, they're turning away from God. Yeah, Moses came back. God sent him back. Now, God says this second time, come up to the mountain by yourself no man with you. And again, let no man be seen throughout all the mountain. Let neither flocks nor herds feed before the mountain. And I believe we're to understand that as, well, 
perhaps symbolic as to the holy presence of God on that mountain. We are human. God is spirit. We are finite. God is infinite. And we need to respect God. He is deity, and we are carnal as far as our physical bodies are concerned. And we need to respect God's, God's with reverence, deep reverence. And so don't even let the flocks or the herds feed before the mountain. Verse 4, so he, that is Moses, cut two tablets of stone like the first ones. Then Moses rose early in the morning and went up Mount Sinai as the Lord had commanded him, and he took in his hand the two tablets of stone. Now the Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. And the Lord passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abounding in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgressions and sin, by no means clearing the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generations. Now, God is a just God. God is also a patient God. But again, God is a just God. And so we want, as human beings a lot of times, we want God's just continual forgiveness without any judgment, without any repercussions to our ungodly behavior. But no, God is merciful for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgressions and sin, but he does not clear the guilty without their repentance and seeking his forgiveness. In verse 8, so Moses made haste and bowed his head toward the earth and worshiped. Then he said, if now I have found grace in your sight, O Lord, let my Lord, I pray, go among us, even though we are a stiff-necked people, and pardon our iniquity and our sin, and take us as your inheritance. Moses is pleading with God. Now, in chapter 33, God has already told him, get the people moving, get them toward the promised land, the land that I promised to them through their forefathers, hundreds and hundreds of years before, uh, uh, before, get them moving. And so now Moses is pleading with God, please go among us. Even though we're a stiff-necked people, pardon our iniquity, our sin, and take us as your inheritance. Please be with us. Moses was pleading for God's personal presence with the Israelites with the people. We are told as we become Christians and live a faithful Christian life that God and Christ will make their home with us, that we can have confidence of their presence with us. Now, some people would say that's only through the word. Others would say, no, there's a personal indwelling. However you understand it, the promise is there. In John chapter 14 and verse 23, Jesus said, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. Now, what an incredible blessing. But God promises to be with 
his faithful people, always. And here, Moses is pleading with God, please be with us. Go before us. As we travel, please go before us. James, in the closing verses of James chapter 4, talks about how we need to not be arrogant, even if we're not realizing our arrogance, in planning our lives without asking for God's guidance and blessings, as though we are totally in control ourselves. No, we're not totally in control. We need God's blessings and we need God's wisdom and guidance as we move forward in our lives. And that's every single one of us on a daily basis. We ought to be praying for God's wisdom every day. In verse 10, we move on. And he said, Behold, I make a covenant before all your people. I will do marvels, this is God speaking, I will do marvels such as have not been done in all the earth, nor in any nation. And all the people among whom you are shall see the work of the Lord, for it is an awesome thing that I will do with you. Oh, again, how exhilarating these statements from God in response to Moses pleading, please go before us, please be with us. And I think inherent within those, those, those requests by Moses is, please, please, Father, give us your, your, your direction and your guidance and your wisdom. And here God is saying, I'm going to do things before you and all your people that are going to be marvels such as the earth has never seen. And people from other nations, other peoples, among whom you may be traveling or near whom you may be traveling, they're going to see these things, or at least some of them, and, and it's going to be awesome. Well, again, we are supposed to be shining lights. We are supposed to be seasoning salt as God's people, Christians. In verse 11, God goes on speaking to Moses, instructing him, and he says, observe what I command you this day. Behold, I am driving out from before you the Amorite and the Canaanite and the Hittite and the Perizzite and the Hivite and the Jebusite. God would give them victory over all of those nations. That in itself should have been incredibly impressive to not just Moses, but to all the people of Israel. Take heed to yourself, lest you make a covenant with the inhabitant of the land where you are going, lest it be a snare in your midst. But you shall destroy their altars, break their sacred pillars, and cut down their wooden images. For you shall worship no other god, lowercase g, for the Lord, whose name is Jealous, is a jealous god lest you make a covenant with the inhabitants of the land and they play the harlot with their gods and make sacrifice to their gods and one of them invites you and you eat of his sacrifice and you take of his daughters for your sons and his daughters play the harlot with their gods, lowercase g, and make your sons play the harlot with their gods." You shall have no molded gods before you, before yourselves. Now, 
God is telling Moses with emphatic, emphatic declaration and emphasis, I'm going to drive out these people before you. I'm going to give you victory over the Amorite and the Canaanite and the Hittite and the Perizzite and the Hivite and the Jebusite. Those who live in that land that I promised to your forefathers, that land to which I am going to guide you, I'm going to give you victory over all of those people because they are idol worshipers. They do not follow me. And so because they do not follow me, because they worship idols, which are nothing, then you are to have nothing to do with them. You're not to allow them to stay in the land. Because if they are there in your midst, then they could become a snare to you, to influence you away from me. When you conquer them in their portions of the promised land, and then begin to, to occupy it yourselves, you tear down all their, their altars to their gods, to their images, to their wooden idols and however the idols have been fashioned. You tear down all those places of worship that they have erected to those idols, again, which are nothing. You're not to worship any of their gods, lowercase g. You're not to allow any of those images to remain in the land. You don't make covenants with them. Because, again, if you enter into relationships with them, then you open the door to their potentially influencing you away from me and believing in their idols. You don't give your daughters to their sons in marriage. You don't allow your sons to take their daughters in marriage. Because in that very personal and intimate of all relationships on a human plane, they could influence your sons and daughters to start worshiping their idols and thereby turn away from me. In verse 18, now we need to understand the principle behind this as well. The Apostle Paul said, abstain from every appearance of evil. Not just from every evil, but every, even every appearance of evil. Because the more we expose ourselves to evil, the greater potential for that evil to have influence in our lives. So just stay away from it. I call it blowing out the match. If you don't light the match, you don't have to put out a fire later on. So just blow out the match. And that's the same principle that God is laying out before Moses here to instruct the people on and also to lead the people in fulfilling. Don't have anything to do with those people who worship idols. In verse 18, the feast of unleavened bread you shall keep. Seven days you shall eat unleavened bread as I commanded you. In the appointed time of the month of Abib, for in the month of Abib you came out, of, out from Egypt. Now this would be an ongoing holy feast for the Israelites, the people of Israel, 
for the generations to come until the Lord would come. All that open the womb are mine, and every male firstborn among your livestock, whether ox or sheep, but the firstborn of a donkey you shall redeem with a lamb. And if you will not redeem him, then you shall break his neck. And all the firstborn of your sons you shall redeem, and none shall appear before me empty-handed. Six days you shall work, but on the seventh day you shall rest in plowing time, and in harvest you shall rest. For you shall observe the feast of weeks, of the first fruits of wheat harvest, and the feast of ingathering at the year's end. God is laying out, God is laying out an ongoing spiritual law for the people of Israel. They are to be focused in worshiping and following God. Now, I want to drop down to verse 29. In verse 29, we see a physical reaction that Moses is not even aware of after he has been in the presence of God and received the law, this law. It, it was so when Moses came down from Mount Sinai and the two tablets of the testimony were in Moses' hand when he came down from the mountain that Moses did not know that the skin of his face shone while he talked with him. So when Aaron and all the children of Israel saw Moses, behold, the skin of his face shone and they were afraid to come near him. Now, this was an amazing appearance of Moses. His face and his skin had not shone. I think we get the idea of radiated, maybe shone as like the sun, because he had been in the very presence of God. So he comes down from the mountain. He's got the two tablets of stone with him, and his face and his skin are shining. Aaron and Moses, or Aaron and the rest of the people, they're, they're afraid to go near him. Then Moses called to them, and Aaron and all the rulers of the congregation returned to him, and Moses talked with them. Afterward, all the children of Israel came near, and he gave them as commandments all that the Lord had spoken with him on Mount Sinai. And when Moses had finished speaking with them, he put a veil on his face. It's interesting. Now, he communicates all of the law that God had given him on Mount Sinai when Moses was there in the very presence of God. And the evidence of his having been in the presence of God was that when he came down from the mountain with God's law, his face and his skin shone, shiny, probably radiating like the sun. But now when he finishes speaking to the people, all that God had instructed him to teach them as being God's law, then Moses put a veil over his face. But whenever Moses went in before the Lord to speak with him, he would take the veil off until he came out, and he would come out and speak to the children of Israel whatever he had been commanded. And whenever the children of Israel saw the face of Moses and the skin of Moses' face shone, then Moses would put the veil on his face again until he went in to speak with him. Interesting. God blessed Moses with a physical 
appearance that demonstrated to the people that he had been in the very presence of God and that God had spoken to him, given him direction, instruction, teaching. Well, we're going to stop there. And we'll move on next time. What a great story. But it's not a story made up by man. This is God's story of the people of Israel as he prepared them and molded them to be the bloodline through whom the Savior would come into the world. God's plan was in progress, in the making. Let's pray. Father, you are the awesome God, the only true God. Help people to see that you love them and that you want to bless them with forgiveness and eternal life through Jesus Christ, your Son, and their Lord and Savior. Help them to open their eyes. Help them to open their hearts, Father, we pray. And we pray for souls. And we pray, Father, that you will be glorified always. Guide us, all who believe in you, all who have already come to you through Christ, to live the life that you would have us to live before you. Please watch over us, take care of us, protect us from all kinds of harm and danger, and especially spiritual harm and danger. Please hold us close and give us your guidance and your wisdom always. Please forgive us, gracious Father. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.